0: Hello, everyone. What you're going to hear today is a little bit unique. The sermon today, it it takes on a little bit of a different kind of format. It's going to be a a kind of second person narrative written as a, a letter from the perspective of John to Hope Lutheran Church as he finishes up his book and as he answers the question for us, what now after Christ is risen? what happens next from John chapter 21 afterward Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee it happened this way Simon Peter Thomas also known as Didymus Nathanael from Cana in Galilee the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were together When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and he jumped in the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. This is the gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear people of hope, you've almost finished my book now. You've been reading it and studying it, learning from it and growing through it. I pray that you have seen your Savior for who he is. He is truly God and truly man. He truly took on our sins and truly took them to the cross. I pray that the words I've written have increased your understanding and trust in him. But we're coming to the end here. There's only one chapter left. It's time for us to ask and answer a big question. Now what? What do we do now that Christ has risen from the dead? What do we do now that we know that he's not going to be with us in the same way? Ask yourself this question and answer it in your heart as I tell you this story. Peter was abrupt that day. He just up and announced to no one in particular that he was going out to go fishing. Nobody questioned him. Nobody wondered why he was wanting to go fishing. Fishing was home for him. And also, we weren't really sure what else we were supposed to do. Jesus had told us to wait, but he hadn't given us any instructions besides that. We weren't sure what life was going to be like at all now that Jesus had risen. And so nobody questioned it at all that Peter wanted to go back out fishing. In fact, it made all the sense in the world to us. We all chimed in. We'll go with you. And it didn't take us long to get out there, especially for Peter. I mean, this was like flexing an old muscle for him. This had been his life. This had been his livelihood. He had grown up on that lake. There was a glint in his eyes as he strained at the oars, and Thomas came along too. He just sat listening to the waves with Nathaniel, and James and I checked the nets to make sure everything was ready to go. We were ready to fish. It didn't take long for our excitement to drain away, though. We cast the nets out again and again, and nothing. Even Thomas, he had been making these jokes about how all these fishing pros were really just amateurs and couldn't catch anything. He finally stopped talking because the adventure of the trip was being squeezed out by failure. Cast after cast, we caught nothing. We fished all night long. I was ready to give up. But I knew better that Peter wasn't going to stop anytime soon. Then as the sun was starting to rise, there was this mysterious figure who yelled from the shore, you don't have any fish, do you? We didn't recognize the voice and to be honest, we were a little bit insulted by the question and so we didn't respond to the question with any more than a grunted, no, Church, I'm going to take a break from telling the story here because I think it's important for you to understand this incident and what it was about for us, what it was like to go through this whole night trying to fish. I'll point to some parallels for you. I mean, look at your modern world. Inflation rates are at 10%. COVID is still hanging around. And the other stresses of life haven't backed away at all. Think about it. It's already been a long night for you. I'll offer this as something you can learn because it's something that I learned here through this experience. Sometimes it takes a long, long night of unsuccessful trying, unsuccessful fishing to finally understand that it's not us who makes anything happen at all, that we are not the Lord in our boats. It took us disciples so long to understand this. No matter how many times Jesus fed the hungry or healed the sick or made blind people see or made the lame walk or calmed the seas or walk on water, no matter how times he, tr- he showed us and taught us how much better it will always be to trust in him above all things, I'm ashamed to say we still went right back to trusting our own Trying we still went right back to being convinced that we are the ones who make blessings flow for ourselves. And that we are the ones who make the world go around. Just read through my book again. You'll see it clearly. That's why I wrote it. And even though we are separated by thousands of years and incredible cultural differences, our spiritual struggles are still exactly the same. We... We tell ourselves the same stories. I mean, what's the story that very wealthy people tell themselves? Often, it's the story of the self-made person. That your wealth came solely as a product of your own hard work, and that because you made your wealth happen, you have every right to keep hold of it. Because you're convinced that you're the one that made that blessing flow and so you won't let go, just like we wouldn't let go. And what story does a, a poorer person perhaps tell themselves? It's, it's more that I got to get it done for myself. I got to get up early and stay up late so that I can pour myself into all my well-being so that I can make blessings flow for myself. And we can't let go of it. Not our worries, not our anxieties, none of it. Why? Because we believe that we are the only ones who can make blessings flow. And so we don't let go of it. Just like we disciples couldn't let go of it. I talk about these things with money. I told these stories with the perspective of money, but you could just as easily replace money with with joy—the the way we can't let go of our joy, or success, or beauty, or kindness, and many more things we just can't let go. And so you don't let go. What happens next? The long night of trying comes next. The long night of casting your net out, trying to fish for money, for joy, success, beauty, kindness. You cast and you cast and you cast and then you hear the voice from the shore saying, Friend, you didn't get anything, did you? And you say, No. And you know what? It's so good that you do say no. Because it's only when you recognize that you're not the Lord in your boat that you can recognize that there is someone who is. See, that's when we heard the voice of the stranger on the shore. And we heard him tell us to put our nets on the other side of the boat. And I heard Peter say under his breath, why not? It's just one more cast. And who knows? It's worked once before. You know, we used to look back on this together and laugh. It was so many fish. It was so many that you couldn't possibly miss the fact that this was a miracle. We tried for a minute to pull the net in, but we couldn't. There were just too many fish. And and as I looked from the net, teeming with fish, to the stranger on the shore, it clicked. That was Jesus on the shore. It was so obvious, and I couldn't believe that I hadn't seen it earlier. And I hadn't expected it even Just like on that Sunday morning as I ran to Jesus' tomb and I looked inside to see it empty, just like it had clicked then, it was clicking again now. This was Jesus. I looked over at Peter and I said, It's the Lord. And I saw it click for him too. But I wonder if it was an even deeper click for him. I could see that he was remembering something. He was remembering that once before he had gone on a fishing trip. And once before he had fished all night. And once before, he had had his professional fisherman pride wounded as he caught zero fish. And once before, a stranger on the shore had told him to put the nets onto the other side. And once before, he had pulled in a huge catch of fish. Once before, it had been Jesus. And that was clicking for Peter. He got it too. And it was kind of like he lost his mind. He did what would seem like the opposite thing of what he should do. He put on his normal clothes, he jumped into the water and started swimming to shore like his whole future depended on it. You now scholars like to say that John 21, the last chapter of my book, should be read like an epilogue. I guess in a lot of ways that's true. It's meant to be a wrap-up to a book that helps you to see the new normal, what it is after the events of Jesus' life and death and resurrection. It's my long way of giving you a glimpse of what new life is like after Jesus rises from the dead. I thought it was important to write this way because I know from personal experience that sometimes Christ feels like this foggy, mysterious figure that you can't quite see. You feel like he's so far away from you. He's off on some far shore. I wanted to show you beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus lives and that he still lives for you. My prayer is that this epilogue serves to remind you just like it reminded me. And that it serves you so that Jesus can teach you to put it all together just like he taught me in Peter. Jesus is not just some guy on some faraway shore, he's still in our boat. Know that, people of hope. Jesus is still in your boat. If he was going to get out of your boat, he would have done it a long time ago. He wouldn't have paid for your sin. He wouldn't have come to earth. He would not have gone to the cross, but he did do all of those things. I saw it. And from what I saw on that day, as Jesus called to us from the shore and as he filled our nets with fish, he reminded me and he, he showed us He's never going to leave you. Nothing is going to make him get out of your boat. Not sin, not death, not hell. He proved that when he rose from the dead and he confirmed it to you now as he shows you that, not, that even though he may seem far away, he will never leave you. Did you know that we counted the fish that Jesus made appear in our net that day? It was 153 fish. We caught zero fish casting our nets all night. And in one moment, Jesus filled our nets with 153 of the beauty, most beautiful, prize-winning fish We counted them because we wanted to remember. We counted them like we count our blessings every day. Counting every little thing that Jesus does for us so that we can remember that he's still in our boat. That he does love us, that he does care for us, that He will never leave us. We counted the fish so that we could remember that. I suggest you do the same. Count your fish today. I'll help you. One, you've never gone hungry in your life before. Two, you have a place that you can call home. Three, you live in an incredible place in the world. No, I'm doing this all wrong. I'm going to start over. One, Christ died to make full payment for your sins. Two, Christ rose to conquer death and sin forever. Three, Christ lives to stay in your boat to make blessings flow for you to raise you from the dead. Count the fish. Count the blessings till you get to 153 if you have to. Count those blessings until you're able to see that Christ is still in your boat with you. He's in your life with you. Count the fish until you see that if Christ has given you provision for all your life, and he has... Count the fish until you see that Christ is providing for you body and soul. Count the fish until you see that Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Count the fish until you see that Jesus is powerful to raise you from the dead and to raise you to life in heaven. count the fish see that Christ is still in your boat Amen